Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, and a very, very important show because how many of you work with people you don't trust? How many of you have ever, you know, been, uh, what's the scientific term for it? Screwed after you trust somebody. And so today we have a very important guest. We're going to be talking about the 10 laws of trust and how important it is today, especially in a world or, or, or culture where trust is trampled upon. It is one of the worst. I mean, I've never seen so lack, so much lack of trust, and that's amongst you know people you like and all this. So it's a very important thing. It's going to be about the ten laws of trust. Any comments, there, Kim? Well, this is this book is timed so well. Um, our guest is Joel Peterson, and Joel is the chairman of JetBlue, uh, Stanford business professor, and founder of PE firm Peterson Partners. But right now. Um, also the CEO of Trammell Crow. Yes, he was formal, former CEO of Trammell Crow. Um, but this this whole book on trust and what is needed. And, and one thing I love that Joel says, he said, was in low trust cultures, and we've all been there, in low trust cultures, people reach for legal documents. It's all about the legal documents, it's all about the lawyers, it's all about the contracts. But in the world of trust, you actually cuts down your cost and your time because you can work with people. It's a huge subject worldwide right now. So once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki at the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Our guest is Joel Peterson, and it's a very important subject on trust, but more importantly, how do you build trust in an organization? And you know, Kim and I work in a, we all work in a very litigious society today. And every time I'm driving to work, Every bus has nothing. Sue this guy, sue that guy. We have all these uh, ambulance tra- chasers. And so as some of you may know is that you get sued from inside your own company. You can't even trust the people you work with. They'll sue you for anything today. So that's where, that's the society we live in today, where before we, we talk things over and discuss it and all that, now they just have their attorneys on speed dial and they sue you now. So Joel, welcome to our program. Welcome, Joel. 
Yeah, with that intro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's your attorney? <laughs> so what, what, what motivated you to write the 10 Laws of Trust? Well, I've been involved in many, many companies, many, many boards, and coaching lots of CEOs over the years. And I really realized that trust is the most powerful currency they've got, particularly in a turnaround or in building a great culture, building a great company. But it's also very fragile. Um, you know, it, it's kind of one-way sticky. If, you, if you're building trust, you're laying it down at a conversation at a time, but you can destroy it sort of immediately and quickly, and it's hard to rebuild. And so this is a very precious uh, commodity that uh, we need to re restore in our society and in, how, in our companies and families and communities. So if, if we could, let's get right into it, simply because, you know, this is, you got 10, 10 uh, laws. So let's start with law number one and just get into it. Let's start with personal integrity. What does that mean? Well, people use that term uh, to mean honesty, but it really is beyond that. Uh, integrity is not having a gap between what you say and what you do, and it's also uh, not having a gap between how you behave in your personal life and how you behave in your public life. People are smart. They pick up on lack of integrity. They, they understand where there are these gaps. And if you don't trust the leader of an organization to have integrity, uh, it's very hard to build a culture of integrity for the whole company. That, that is a great point because, Robert, you and I, um, yeah, we've had, we've had our share of betrayals. And I love what you say, Joel, having been betrayed, I still opt for trust over mistrust. And so do we. Um, but yeah. there was one, when you talk about congruency of, of character, um, we were just talking about uh, an investing partner we were dealing with in Florida. And the words were good, and the words were all about, um, you know, we know we're good Christians, we're good religious people, we, we do the right thing. But then one night we went out to dinner, and they were out of control, obnoxious. People were leaving around them. They were just rude and and. and we were in shock, and we're like, "What? what is going on here? Because there's such a congruency gap um, yep. that the integrity went right out the window. Well, if you watch the difference between what, how people behave and what they say, yes. it's a huge clue. Um, so, you know, I, I think you can also uh, watch, which kind of gets to the second law, how people treat others in the organization. So if they treat them without respect, um, if they're total respecters of persons, in other words, only people with high stature in the organization are treated well, uh, you actually diminish trust. And that's kind of related to, to having integrity, too. In the Marine Corps, it's called butt kissers. You know, they. Yeah. I went to military school, and the, the first words they put into our heads is the, the mission. What's the mission, which is spiritual? And the motto of the academy was acta non verba, deeds not words. Mm -hmm. You're judged upon your actions, not your words. And it just nauseates me personally, you know, coming from four years of military school and six years of the Marine Corps. Many people think their words don't matter. They'll tell you anything you want to hear, but the, the actions do not match the words. And it just drives me nuts, personally. Not that my actions well. are perfect, of course, but... 
Yeah, nobody's perfect, but fundamentally, uh, the way you build trust is by delivering on promises. It's where you're, what, what you deliver is what you said you would deliver, and that actually builds trust, and whenever you don't do that, you diminish trust, you destroy trust, and it's really, it's really that simple. The, all these other laws are things that support that, but fundamentally, if you're not delivering on what you promise, you'll never build trust. Well, you know, it goes as simple as this because... And when somebody says, I'll be there at 10 o'clock and nine, you know, 20 minutes later, they're still not there. That's really yep. tough for me. And then because it's a withdrawal of trust. Yeah. No and I, I do my best to tell people this as a gunship pilot in Vietnam. If if I had to be rolling in on this moment, I was rolling in hot. I had to be there on time because another person was counting on me to be there on time. So I have I have this time paranoia phobia so when somebody's like a minute late, I get goosebumps because who's going to cover me? <laughs> who's going to cover me rolling in behind me? Do you know what I mean? Right, and right, when I, sure. When I attempt to talk to a civilian who's, yeah, 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 I'm trustworthy, I go, I don't trust anything you said just now. So, you know, that's yeah. kind of the background I came up in. What's the, what's the third one, empower others? Can I, can I just say one thing about the, the respect, invest in respect? Because you say one of the keys to it is listening without an agenda. So you're talking about yep. really, truly being present and listening to the other person, not wanting to impose yeah. your point of view. Well, have you ever listened to somebody where you can tell that they're just waiting until you take a breath so they can get in what it is they want to say? Exactly. Uh, you, never, you don't feel really very respected. You know you're just being used. You're just a temporary audience, and they have their own agenda. And I think the, if you ever are with somebody who actually is really listening to capture what it is you're saying without judgment – your trust level goes up. Yes, agree. And what about people that cut you off when you're speaking halfway through the sentence? Oh my God! <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Oh, well, they're they're God. not respecting you. They're not listening. You're not building trust. Oh, it says you sure. don't you don't count in my life. Is what it says. Right. That's horrifying. Right. So number three is empower others. What that's you know that's what the thing I'm getting at, Joel, is these are just words, and for most people, everybody has the right words. They just don't act. The words, you know, they're, they're just words. They don't, they don't actually walk the talk, as we used to say. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, if you are going to build a high-trust organization, you're going to have to seed uh, control to other people. It will actually build the trust level of the organization. It will actually make the organization more powerful if you give up power to others. Uh, and so, it, but it's also dangerous. I mean, we, we don't know exactly... Uh, how people are going to behave. So you have to do it in increments. And as people deliver on promises, you accord more trust, empower them more, and you build layer upon layer this high trust organization. But you have to empower others. Let me ask you this. Have, how do you handle somebody who's broken your trust? Because that's, I think, you know, in any organization, well, the, you know, theory is wonderful. But in reality, right. trust is broken on a regular basis, just by mistake or, in, or intentionally. How do you rebuild that, or do you rebuild it? Well, so I kind of divide it into two uh, levels. So the one is that somebody just doesn't deliver on what they said they would do. It may be that there was a misunderstanding. It may be that there was an intervening variable. It may be that we just, you know, something happened. And th what I say about those is fix them immediately. 
that is a breach. But if people allow that to fester, it actually can develop into a significant betrayal that you can't overcome. So that kind of breach, you fix immediately. You talk about it, you figure out what caused it, and then you commit to a new way of going about things. There are betrayals where people actually, uh, you know, lie, cheat, or steal. And I think in those cases, you want to get out of business with people as fast as you can. And you want to move beyond the betrayal. You really want to forgive, not so much for them as for yourself, so you can begin living in the future rather than living in the betrayal. Right, and number four is, thank you for that, measure what you want to achieve. That's what we're working on right now. Yeah, well, it's a funny thing. You know, a lot of people, when I say that to them, they say, well, wait a minute, I thought you were trusting somebody. (laughs) Well, that doesn't mean trust. You don't just close your eyes and hope for the best. In fact, it really doesn't show much trust unless you say to people, this is how things will be measured. Um, There's a budget, there's a time frame, there are deliverables. I want you to understand exactly what they are so that you can deliver on them. And if that happens, then we can actually build a high-trust relationship out of this event. If not, um, it's, it's really tough. So what you're saying, by, by defining the measurement, the goal, the achievement, you can, you'll know whether the person is trustworthy or not trustworthy. And they will too, and they'll uh, they'll actually feel more trusted by knowing what what's being expected. If they don't know what's expected, they're nervous about it. They think they're doing a good job, but they're not sure. They they remain cautious. They remain wary. And what you want to do is be so predictable, so transparent, so clear that everybody knows exactly what you're expecting, and trust grows. Okay. And, that, and, and that's one of the and that's one of my life lessons is is I have trusted without verifying without measuring, yep. and that's gotten me in all kinds of trouble. So I love this, I love this one. And then yeah, the, I think Ronald Reagan figured that out too, didn't he? <laughs> so we're halfway <laughs> through, uh, number five <laughs> is create a common dream. And uh, I think that's the most important one because I've, I have, uh, we've, I've hired a number of CEOs and operators, and they're typical civilians. They keep people in silos, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Or, or the other thing that I've seen is the, the dream comes down from on high, and it gets framed and put on the wall. And in, in effect, that creates cynicism. The only way that people ha- share a dream is if they help create it. And that usually means a lot of conversations, and it means refining words and expressions. And once people are sort of behind something, the trust levels go way, way up because we're all working on the same thing. Whereas if it comes from the corner office and is framed on the wall, it actually uh, can diminish trust. And that's a tough lesson to learn because when I deal with civilians all the time, well, we don't have time, you know, they got jobs to do, you know, accounting's got accounting to do and marketing's got to mark, so we can't, we, we don't have time to get together. And it just, right. drives, it just drives me nuts. Or the, you know? And the other right. thing that happens is oftentimes there is not, the, the mission is the bottom line. The mission is to make money, and everybody's got to make money, but there is no higher mission. What do you, what do you say to something like that, Joel? Because I see that a lot. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. That's never really a very inspiring mission. You know, that I always say that people want to be respected members of a winning team doing something meaningful, mm. and, and all three have to be present. Uh, people work for meaning. Now, they may not initially... Uh, but over time, they really look on their life as, is this something that matters? 
And so I think you really have to, and for it to matter, I think people have to participate in designing what it is we're trying to do. I, I talk about it as picking which peak to climb and then climbing it together, belaying each other, carrying gear, and summiting together. Mm. And it's now, powerful uh, when you do that. And I tell you, that's one of the hardest lessons I have. You know, how do you, well, how do you handle somebody who believes in silos? They keep people isolated so they don't talk to each other. I mean, I, I run into companies all the time that, you know, accounting has no idea what marketing is doing all the time. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Well, usually uh, what happens then is uh, mistrust develops between the silos. And I think it has to be broken down. I think getting people together, sometimes outside of business, getting to know one another personally. But ultimately, what you want is everybody to have a line of sight from their job to the summit. All right. Know how all it right. is, what they're doing, uh, uh, contributes to that. So once again, our guest today is Joel Peterson, chairman of JetBlue. He's a Stanford business professor and founder of Peter, P.E. Peterson Partners, and he has formerly served as CEO with that very respected company, Trammell Crow Company, com huge commercial real estate developer out of Texas. When we come back, we'll be finding out, we've gone through five out of the 10, one of the other five, you know, 10 laws of trust, and you'll find out how trust made John Deere a Fortune 500 company, and the lack of trust sunk Enron. So when we come back, we'll be talking probably the most important part of business but also in life is who do you trust have you ever been uh, screwed per, per se then if necessary how do you rebuild it you're listening to the rich dad radio show with robert kiyosaki don't be like charlie charlie scans the internet for information about questionable land trusts and series llc's oftentimes getting bad information from people who have no idea what they're doing you deserve to work with a reputable company that serves your best interests. Corporate Direct will never sell you more entities than you need. Corporate Direct offers a free 15-minute phone consultation with an incorporating specialist to see if it can help you. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off each and every formation. Call 800-600-1760. That's 800-600-1760. Or visit CorporateDirect.com. Corporate Direct is owned by Rich Dad Advisor, Garrett Sutton. What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense, it's taxes. And I've asked the question is how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. But what they teach you about taxes. So here at Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright, we're talking about his revision for his book, Tax Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. So what's the tax-free wealth about? What, what's different this time? It's a rev revised edition. Well, so what we did was, is we ha this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years, 2017. Right. Was 86 was the last one. 86 was the last one, right. back when I was in Washington, D.C. So many guys got wiped out because of that tax change. <laughs> they did. They yeah. did. It wiped out an entire industry, savings and loans. This new tax law is just as big, but in a very different way. It affects different industries. You know, the tax law is always a series of incentives. And the question is always which incentives and which ones apply to me. And so the, the key to revising tax-free wealth was what is it, what changed so much in this new tax law that we can absolutely take advantage of, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives. For example, I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a, a million-dollar apartment, get a $300,000 reduction or more the very first year. 
So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And we, today we're talking about the two, the most, two most dangerous words in life, in business, and anything. The words are, trust me. I still remember I was in I was in this gun show, an antique gun show. This guy says, "Well, you can trust me. I'm an attorney." I went. I left immediately. I mean, <laughs> anybody who leaves with trust me is a crook, as far as I'm concerned. So once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anywhere, anytime on Android or iTunes, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we don't sell anything; we're just purely educational. And repetition is how we learn best. So if you listen to this program one more time. You know, just go to Rich Dad Radio, deal this thing about Trust Me, and then your friends, family, especially your business associates should listen to it, and we should discuss this. Because our guest today is Joel Peterson. He's the chairman of JetBlue, Stanford business professor and founder of Peterson Partners, and formerly CEO of Trammell Crow. And we're discussing the, his latest book, The Ten Laws of Trust. Very important book. Good thing it's a small book, so everybody can read it. But The Ten Laws of Trust, we've already come through the first five. And any comments, Kim? Well, I, I think this book is, okay, this is a great, your subtitle, Joel, is Building the Bonds That Make a Business Great, which I love. This applies to family. I would love all of our world leaders <laughs> to read this book because I think trust is broken globally all over the place. And uh, that's, a, that's a whole nother ball of wax that we can talk about at another time. But I think trust is the number one issue right now that needs to be addressed worldwide. So anyway, it goes we're, we're, we've yes, come through the first five. One, start with personal integrity. <laughs> That's hard. Invest in respect. Well, yeah. Empower others. Yeah, they, but you'd have to trust them to do that. And measure what you want them to achieve. And then create a common dream. And now we're on number six. So number six, Joel, is keep everyone informed. What do you mean by that? You know, a lot of companies uh, break down because the communication is by rumor. It's at the water cooler. It's people anticipating things and not really knowing. And the only way to build a high-trust organization is with lavish communication. That's before, during, and after events, and it's bad news as well as good news. And uh, something happens when there's transparency. People may not like the news all the time, but they really feel like nothing's being hidden from them. I know at JetBlue, well, when I was at Trammell Crow, I used to send out a partner's uh, letter every two weeks and just tell people everything that I knew that was going on. At JetBlue, we have a member of our senior management team sends out uh, a letter every single week so that people and and our rule is we don't want to surprise anybody we don't want anybody to read about us in the newspaper something that they don't know from our own team and it and it, that builds trust and to well and to that point um as we're kind of reinventing our company here um one of the keys that came up when we first sat down with our with the team here is is what do we want and one of that was one of the number one things Joel was because everybody had kind of been kept in silos and now it was we want everybody to know we want everybody involved in every task we want everybody to know what's happening on all fronts worse um, than that and the gossip started from the top down well yeah. there was gossip there was rumors uh, and yeah. that's, did you read Ray Dalio's book uh, principles yeah, well, I, I haven't read the book, but Ray Dalio was a study mate of mine. He was oh. in my section in oh, business fantastic. school. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, he, he talks about, he calls it the hard and bitter truth or something like that. And 
You yeah, know, radical transparency. Radical yeah. transparency, yep. boy. And, you know, like, yeah. if you do that today, you get sued. And that's that's what we're <laughs> doing our best to get back to because uh, it's not the Marine Corps way. One of the rules the Marines had, if I was gossiping about somebody, let's say I was gossiping about Kim, the rule was I had to go tell Kim straight to her face. Yeah. And that rule. cut it out immediately. Yep. But in every in organizations, gossip starts from the top down, and they gossip. And it's another way of keeping people divided. Mm-hmm. Okay, number seven, em- embrace. This is what Dahlia was talking. Embrace respectful conflict. Yeah. So the key word there is respectful. Um, you know, I think people, a lot of people shy away from conflict. They want to be yeah. loved yes. more than respected. Yes. And really, what you want is pushback. I, I often assign people to make the counter case to whatever we're planning on doing. I want to hear the best arguments for the other side of things. And I think as long as it's respectful, conflict fleshes out the best uh, ideas. And so I think you want to have conflict. If you don't, you get a bunch of me- yes men yeah. and women, and uh, you, you don't get... You, you know, it's it's actually the person who wins the argument, not the idea. Yeah, you say so you, this idea. That's good the best though. idea wins. Uh, that's what I like. What you say: it's make sure the best idea wins, not the most powerful person. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And number eight is show humility. Yeah, which is a surprising one to a bunch of people who think that CEOs are sort of all-knowing, all-powerful. Uh, giving directives from the corner office, et cetera. And I find it's just the opposite. If the CEO or the leader of a team will say, you know, I don't know everything, I'll find out. Uh, And if we make a mistake, we'll change it, I'll admit it. And if there are good things that happen, they reflect credit and they absorb blame. And so from what you've learned in the military, uh, Robert, that should be a fairly familiar notion to you. It's a... I mean, that word respect, you know, I mean, it's a very powerful word because if you don't respect somebody, it comes back at you so fast. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. And and one thing you mentioned, Joel, in your book is the company Enron. And I, I don't guess there was a lot of humility at Enron. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, no, the hubris was enormous. <laughs> uh, Jeff Skilling, I think, at one point in time said, I am Enron. Oh you know, and that's that's the opposite of sort of team building and culture uh, health. Well, so there was two I, companies. There was two companies of that exact era: WorldCom and Enron. The other guy was Dennis exactly. Kozlowski of WorldCom. Man, he was an arrogant asshole. That was actually Tyco. Oh, Tyco. Kozlowski was Tyco. Oh, I Bernie thought Ebers were... was WorldCom. Oh, okay, oh, Bernie good. Ebers, My right. So those are. But exact... they were all colossal yeah. egos. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and 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 not organizations built on trust. Just the opposite, Not yes? Not built on trust no, at all. Yeah, it was built a lot on of, fear. It was mm-hmm. a lot of show. Do you know what I mean? I think, I guess it was one of those guys, I guess Kozlowski, he had these huge toga parties. You know, like, <laughs> I said, how come I'm yeah. not invited, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was all ego. Anyway, it's good. And number nine, stri- <laughs> this is one of my favorite words, win-win. You know, I mean. The, the, well, I think this one starts out with the notion that there are negotiations going on all the time. In, in most conversations, there's a bit of a give-get, right? you know, where you're looking for something, the other party's looking for something. That's why you're talking with each other. So I think the more you see conversations as a form of negotiation, a low-risk form of negotiations, and you try then to conduct your negotiations as a conversation and where you're seeking for fairness, 
where the win is that we've come to something that we can both live with, that's a durable agreement, that is win-win. What happens then is your negotiations become serial, not episodic. Mm. In other words, you run into the same people over and over, you do multiple deals with them, and you're, you're actually building a high-trust ecosystem beyond your own organization. Well, the reason I'm laughing is, you know, when that book, On Search of Excellence, came out and all this stuff, I forget who the author was, but everybody started using this term, win-win. And so finally we were dealing with this guy who had no humility, his ego was so big, he couldn't see it. And so finally he says, you know, when you say win-win, let me ask you this question. So he goes to the blackboard and he puts one win like three feet high and the other huh. win one inch high. He says, is this your idea of win-win? <laughs> That's why I laugh when somebody says win-win. Well, if it, if the it, picture it, of the blackboard yeah. comes back, you know? And, and people yeah. use some of these words as cliches and, and, you know, it all goes back to what you started with. Start with personal integrity and do what you say you're going to do. I mean, it really. Well, and I think that I think the notion here is start solving for fairness. Come out with a deal that will be durable over time. That you can both live with. If you come up with a deal where you've crushed the other party, somehow the wheels will come off over time. It will only last as long as the power dynamic is in your favor. Mm. Um, I, I once had a partner who looked at a three-inch thick contract and he said, "You know what? There's something in it for me." <laughs> and he's really right, you know, anything that's that long, you know, there's a way to fight. And I think fighting is one of the low trust mm-hmm. responses to circumstances. I think if you're going back to the legal documents all the time, you probably have not created a win-win agreement. So so would you say, Joel, that, I mean, we, this society is so litigious um, and seems to be getting more and more that way. Is that, how do you, how do we combat that? Well, I think it is because we've developed low trust. I think social media has contributed to that. I think our political environment has contributed to that. And so people get stressed out and they take these extreme positions. They don't listen to each other. They really violate the 10 laws of trust. Mm. And so the the default position is to go to fighting and we get gladiators uh, in the form of lawyers who do the fighting for us. And that obviously diminishes trust, and it becomes this negative feedback loop, this cycle that is quite damaging. I think you have to intervene and break it right. and um, and then start building on trust. Yeah. Right. Okay, so number 10 is, Thank you, number 10 Thank is you. the hardest, the hardest of all of them, in my opinion. <laughs> Fix breaches immediately. What does that mean to you, yeah. So we've talked a little bit about this, but I think it is on these minor uh, breaches where people have just disappointed in not delivering what we thought they'd deliver. Figure out why. There may be a good reason, but don't let it fester. Make sure that you address it and fix it and move on. There are the more dangerous ones that are really fundamental breaches, and I think the answer to that is a little bit like uh, uh, Cortez when he landed at Veracruz and burned the ships so people couldn't go back to them. People who go back to betrayals are really like folks who go back to burning ships. They're going to get burned. You're not living your life forward. You have to forgive and move on. But you have to move on, too. You, you, can't, you can't stay in business with people that, uh, that have betrayed you that way. Okay, so this is the most important part. Without giving disclosing names or companies, can you tell about one of the toughest implementations or living the 10, rule, 10 laws you've ever had personally had to go through? Well, I went through litigation one time, and I had a, a very wise uh, counselor 
who told me because uh, I wanted to prove that I was right, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to—I I just wanted to make my case. And she said, um, "You know, the best way to do that is have a great life. Just live <laughs> a great life, move forward." And she was so dead on. It reminds me of a funny uh, joke about uh, the guy who survived the Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania in 1906 or whenever it was. Was it the dam breaking? Yeah, the dam breaking. Right. And uh, went to heaven, and uh, St. Peter said, you've lived a good life. You can have any uh, one thing that you'd like to to do. And he said, you know what? I'd like to have you assemble all the hosts of heaven so that I can tell how I survived the Johnstown flood. And Peter said, well, that'd be fine, but you must remember Noah will be in the audience. <laughs> uh, where, so how, where, where was that attorney when we needed her? <laughs> we've, really, we've been through those litigations, Joel, and problem. oh my goodness. Anyway, the question is, is how, if you're going to fix the breach, it's easy to walk away. But I think the toughest part is going back to embrace a respectful conflict because it's e- very easy to run because that's what I've done. I've just avoided it, and it just got worse. So yeah. How do you handle that? I mean, you know, it's it's not easy. It's, it's nice on it's nice in theory, not in reality. Well, yeah, no. I think you have to catch it early and be talking about it, and not let them get big. You know, the problems that I've had in my life are when I've allowed them to get out of control. And um, you know, one of the things I realized uh, that's helped me almost as much as anything is to the notion that I have joint ventured my problems. You know, I have contributed. You know, at first it was all somebody else's fault. You know, if there was a betrayal, it was all they had betrayed me. Right. Whereas in point of fact, I've found that it could be that I wasn't perfectly clear, that my expectations weren't right. And once you have the notion that I joint ventured it, let me say one other thing here that might uh, help with this uh, new version of the book, and that is that uh, HarperCollins bought American Management Association, who had published the first. Um, edition of the book. And they said, you know, we'd like to do another one because we think this is a really topical issue, but we need to have it expanded by 30%. Tell us what are the two things that people ask you when you uh, talk about this book. And I said, well, the first one is they say, uh, I don't know what the trust level is in my organization. How can I know? You get up high in an organization and people stop telling you the truth. So the first thing we did is we added a diagnostic tool. And I worked with Franklin Covey and came up with these 10 questions where you can basically say, this is, I, I have a low, medium, or high trust organization to start with. So that's the first thing. The second was, uh, how do I deal with betrayal? How do I overcome it? So there's more... Um, on the notion of betrayal. If you don't trust, you'll never be betrayed. If you trust, you will be betrayed. And if you don't trust, you'll never be betrayed. The problem is, if you never trust, you'll have a very small life and a very unhappy one. So you've got to trust and you've got to do it in a smart way. Which which brings up, uh, you know, the 10 laws of trust. You have trust level by organization and it goes from force, fear, reward, duty, and love. Anything you want to say about that? Because different organizations thrive on different levels of trust. Yeah, lots of fear-based organizations. Well, most businesses are driven by fear and reward. Mm. 
you know, that's really kind of how most people organize their companies. You'll notice that you've mentioned the military. Company. The military is built around a sense of duty, and that's a higher-level motivation. People will do things. They'll trust more. They'll take more risks in that kind of thing. But love is the most powerful force of all. If you can build an organization where people really have this sense of meaning, they're committed to it, they're committed to each other, uh, trust levels tend to thrive in that. Um, so I think there there is a hierarchy of motivations, and I think the more that the, the more that you can sort of get away from fear and reward, and into the categories of duty and love, the more likely you are to build a high trust organization. Amen, 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 Joel. Fantastic. Thank you for saying that. I love what you say. Trust is a leap of faith, rooted in optimism. Because yeah. if if you if all the trust is broken, all the optimism is gone, and it's just control and acrimony, right, Kim? Oh, absolutely, and it, and it goes back to you know having, as you said, having been betrayed, Joel. I still opt for trust over mistrust, and so I also and Robert also we we opt to be trusting people, but now it's trust and verify, trust and pay attention, yep. trust and and really put your practices into and measure. Into, Put your principles into yep. practice and yep. measure. Yes. Yep. You know, there's smart that. Trust. Yes. There's that smart TV, trust. That's a good way to say it. There's that TV show, Marcus Marcus Maloney, the Malones, the prophet, and he he had a TV show. All the times he got screwed by the guys he gave money to, <laughs> and the guy asked him, he says, "Are you going to change anything?" He says, "No, I would rather trust people, and I'll I'll just keep going." Yeah. Because once yeah. you lose that, once you lose that faith in your fellow human being, I think you're finished too. Yeah, so. just sit in a dark room. Right. Is that why I'm in a dark room? <laughs> <laughs> so Joel Peterson, his book is The Ten Laws of Trust. Fantastic. I please recommend if you have a friend, family, or a business especially, it should be required reading and discussion because it is one of the most, one of the most precious parts of being a human being is trust. Yes. And Joel's website is petersonpartners.com, petersonpartners.com. So final words, Joel, anything you want to say to the public out there? Well, I think the hopeful thing is that you can, by being intentional, build a high-trust life. And uh, it really becomes the operating system of a life well-lived. So thank you well very said. much. Well Every, said. Everybody, please go and get his book, The Ten Laws of Trust. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Thank you very much. All the best. Good to talk. Take, Take care. care. And we come back, we go to the most popular part of our program, where it's Ask Robert. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie scans the internet for information about questionable land trusts and series LLCs, oftentimes getting bad information from people who have no idea what they're doing. You deserve to work with a reputable company that serves your best interests. Corporate Direct will never sell you more entities than you need. Corporate Direct offers a free 15-minute phone consultation with an incorporating specialist to see if it can help you. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off each and every formation. Call 800-600-1760. That's 800-600-1760. Or visit CorporateDirect.com. Corporate Direct is owned by Rich Dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Financial freedom begins with financial education. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good, the good news and bad news about money. Listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on Android or iTunes. 
and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for one reason, so you can listen to this program again, because repetition is how we learn. And if you find it valuable or interesting the second time around, ask friends, family, or business associates, especially to listen to this program and discuss it, because this is not an this is not a this is the right thing to do or an answer will solve your problems. These are, none of these are really answers; they're just processes. So again, I want to thank Joel Peterson, chairman of JetBlue, Stanford business professor, founder of PE Peterson Partners, and formerly CEO of Tremel Crow, one of the largest largest private commercial real estate development firm at that time. So we're going to go into the Ask Robert part, and you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. What's the first question, Melissa? Our first question today comes from Clay in St. Louis. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It says, Robert and Kim, I'm a longtime listener and love the show. My question is, my business partner of five years now wants me to consider hiring a relative of his to work in our accounting department. Our business is growing and we are on a good path. I don't doubt the person is capable. However, I'm not comfortable having one of his relatives controlling our books. I want to keep the peace, but I'm not sure how to approach the issue with my business partner. What's your advice? It sounds like you have a problem with your business partner to me. I mean, you know, I mean, if you can't trust your business partner to make a sound recommendation, at that point, you may have a conversation with your business partner. I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with this relative. Any comments, Kim? Well, it, it's tricky. I mean, it is about trust, and that's why it fits in right today with the 10 Laws of Trust by, by Joel Peterson. Um, it's sticky. Relatives. Relatives in business. I, I, just, I, I don't recommend it. It's just my opinion. I'm not saying do it or not do it, but it can, it can just get messy. It can get messy. But why, so. does, why does he not trust his partner? You know, because everything we've done is we've got we've gotten a lot of problems with we've had we've had business relationships with partners, husbands, and wives. And things that's worked, and sometimes it doesn't work. So it sounds like the issues with his partner right now. What is his partner like? So that might be where the discussion starts, and then the next thing is exactly as Kim says. What's the next level below that, and is the person competent? Because if it's if the guy can't fire his own no. Uh, like Kim even hired her own mother at one time. Which was... <laughs> I did. She was great. She was great, and we had to. We had to I tried let... to fire her, but no, Kim we had to. Me, we know. actually, we were. It was great. We we hired her. We were in Portland, Oregon. She kind of ran the office for us, and she loved it. It gave her purpose. And then when we moved to Phoenix, we had to move the company to Phoenix, and it was really hard to fire your mom. <laughs> it was hard to do. <laughs> so but... as, as as a comedian says, you know, he's a really good guy. We're in, Kim and I were in Honolulu and he was up on stage as an Aussie guy. He says, why do I want to go to heaven? He says, my relatives are there. You know, I can't stand them for three days. How am I going to take eternity with my relatives? And yeah, and, and it's, and, you yeah. Know, it's those kinds of questions that are real. And I think those are the, that's what I think um, Joel Peter is saying. You better get real pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think the discussion you're talking about, Robert, is if everything's going well, no problem. But if something isn't going well, this partner has to live with this person and the family. So that's the discussion, I think, um, when you're talking about trust, is what happens if something goes wrong. Yeah. And I've worked with my brother. He's been the best. Yeah. He's really, really good man. Good, good person. So it all depends. You know, there's not an answer. And I think that's one of the problems with, it's, it's like Rich Dad, Poor Dad made the New York Times this weekend you know, after 20-something years. And the guy says, well, the only problem, the author, I mean, the journalist from the New York Times says, the only problem is 
Robert didn't tell me what to do with my money. <laughs> and I think that's what people are looking for. Is just yeah. tell me how to handle this situation yeah. with my my mother, my brother. I don't know how to handle this. Your brother, your brother, your partner. You got to handle it. But I, and I think that's why Joel Peterson's book, The Ten Laws of Trust, very important book because there are no answers. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Corey in Hong Kong. Favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. Hi, Robert. Thank you for writing fake. I really enjoyed reading it. My question is, could you please tell me how you would manage your emotions when very bad things happen while still continuing to find opportunities at the same time? I think I must be doing it wrong because I feel exhausted. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Is What's the exhaustion about? Are you stuffing your emotions or are you letting go of your emotions? And you're asking the wrong guy because I don't do I don't do at well at emotions, so that's why you know Kim is really the person that's more even keeled than all this because I am a marine, and I'll just say what I kind of like Trump. I'll say what I want to say at that moment, and a lot of times people can't handle the jet blast, you know. So I'm not a I'm not a good person to ask that question. I think the better person is Kim is how she handles it and deals with more equanimity with different people when they're screwing up or screwing you. Comments, well, Kim? well, you know, you've got to you've you've got to have the the real conversations, but I think more importantly what you and I do, Robert, is when we have bad things as as of course as very bad things happen, we always look for what's the what's the lesson number 1 and and something good is going to come out of this. We always say out of this something good will come out of it. So we don't get drawn into all the drama of the bad thing and dwell in it and, and well, if you got two feel emotions, sorry for ourselves. Yeah. If you have two emotions firing, you're finished. Yeah, yeah. But we always, even, I mean, even in the darkest times, we're like, something good is going to come out of this. And what's the lesson? we? What didn't we see? What didn't we know? And that's what, what Kim we fired for? me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you just approach it that way, because we always look at every bad thing isn't, isn't negative. Every bad thing isn't bad if you can find the lesson in it and learn from it and turn it into something positive. But that's why this book, 10 Laws of Trust, is important because it says, you know, you've got to show humility, embrace respectful conflict, mm -hmm. keep everybody informed, fix breaches immediately. Because a lot of times we let things build, and that's what I do. I let it build, and my temper builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And then Mount Vesuvius goes off and lawsuits start. Yep. And keep, is is and that keep, my that's, MO, Kim? That's oftentimes your MO. And one of the biggest things is that keep everybody informed. As long as we're in communication with everybody, I think that helps diminish all these upsets and these course, lawsuits and things like that. It. They don't you do know, it. That sometimes it's hard to confront people on so I would suggest I would suggest buying this book, yep. finding a partner or somebody you trust, husband, wife, or friend, and just take each of the 10 laws and discuss it. Then next week, discuss the next law, the next law, and your understanding of what Joel Peterson is saying. I think the I think the lessons are fabulous. The laws are fabulous, but if you don't use them, they don't mean put nothing. Put them into practice. Yep. And I think uh, Joel Peterson comes with tremendous depth and experience of it. So be respectful to Joel. You know, buy the book, sit down with a friend or a business partner or somebody you respect, and discuss each law slowly because it does take time to absorb these types of skill sets. You don't just read it and forget it. I think that's what most people do. So thank you for the question. I'll thank Joel Peterson for his book, The 10 Laws of Trust. Thank you for listening to the Rich Dad, question, Rich Dad Radio Show. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.